Hey, everybody, Jay Black here with the Speaking Podcast with the star of the movie that we've been talking about so very much on the podcast, Psycho Storm Chaser, the Storm Chaser himself, Rib Hillis. How are you, Rib? I'm wonderful. I, when I when I say the name of the movie, I say Psycho Storm Chaser. <laughs> That's how you have to say it. Psycho Storm Chaser. Yeah. I'm thrilled. Uh, thrilled to be here. Nice to chat with you. And so excited for our movie to be seen by the general public. Me too, man. And I'll say this. It's weird. You know, we shot this in COVID time. So yeah. it's weird that are we officially out of COVID time or are we, you know what we, this, that's an evergreen thing to say. We shot it in COVID time, 2027, uh, still COVID time. Uh, but so normally we would have already met at some point during the process of this, either at a table read or on set, but because of COVID uh, other than the virtual table read we did, I think this is the first time we're interacting ever. Uh Yeah. That's absolutely right. Yeah. I sat at the same desk for that table read. Um, yeah, that was, I think, one of my first table reads that I did over Zoom. That was an interesting experience. Yeah, it was a strange thing. And uh, I, mean, I, I like it. Everything's been strange about the last year, year and a half. <laughs> you are correct. We are in uh, unprecedented times, except saying it's unprecedented times is now precedented. So I don't know how much longer we get to be in unprecedented times. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I, as I said to Tara, we, I interviewed Tara yesterday, um, I think it was best that none of you could see or really talk to me or else you probably wouldn't have done the movie. So it's, I think from now on, I'm only going to reveal myself after the movie. Like, sure. like Phantom yeah. of the Opera. I'm going to hop like out. Wizard of Oz or something. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. Now, <laughs> I always start with a compliment. And I'm going to tell you that my favorite part of your character. You did a spectacular job. And I, I don't think the other cast members will be upset by saying that you are the glue that held this whole movie together. Because if Dr. Carl wasn't charismatic, if he was just a big scary dude, it wouldn't have worked. So you made this whole, you were the, the glue in this this uh, macaroni uh, uh, salad. No, if I'm, that would make me the mayonnaise. That yeah, holds you were the, the mayonnaise. In the, the mayonnaise, the macaroni salad, the macaroni salad which right. is Psycho Storm Chaser. Psycho Storm Chaser. My favorite part, not something I wrote, something you improv. Uh, when you were watching video of yourself after the first set of murders, uh, the first murder that you do, when you're in the van and you kind of do like a, like a, like you're evaluating yourself, it was just this perfect touch of Dr. Carl is still a television personality. That is cares about his work, but it just so happens that his work also involves killing people. Well, you know, um, he's a, he's doing a public service in his mind. Uh, he's he's showing those that choose to stay behind uh, why you shouldn't. Right. Um, what an amazing um, sort of story. Like I, I could ask you a question. Like, sure. How do you go about coming up with a storyline? Like, how do you like writing a you know a slasher movie and stuff like that? Like, what do you have like? Are you safe, basically? Yeah, so Are, your I, mind I, just run through scary, crazy thoughts all the time. I'll say this to you. Uh, my wife has asked me a similar question, which is, why do you find it so easy to write ways for women to die? And should I be worried? Yes. I, I do apologize. It's just the genre, everybody. Uh, this particular one came to me. I, I was watching a uh, preview for a movie I didn't actually see. Uh, it was, I, I think it was a Sam Raimi movie about an alligator 
that was attacking in the basement of during a hurricane. Like, so there's a hurricane, basement okay. floods, and, a, and an alligator attacks. And my first, like, as the alligator was slithering down, I honestly thought it was going to be a murderer coming down. Now, I mean, obviously, it's an alligator that murders people, but like, I thought a human murderer was coming down when I saw the uh, preview, and it wasn't. It was an alligator. Still a great premise for a movie, but I thought to myself, wow, I really would have wanted to see the movie where a murderer is is inside the house during the hurricane because you can't get away. So I worked backwards from there and Dr. Carl was born in the movie theater right before COVID. So I saw that preview and said, that's what I want to do. Well, I I was really, it's funny that it was a, it was a challenging role. Um, and I, I loved my cast uh, and the crew, but I didn't feel because Carl was so intense and right. at least that's how I saw him. He was yeah. so intense and I found it very hard to be sociable on set, knowing like that, like Mary, like I was going to, I was going to menace Mary. I was going to whisper in her ear while she's sleeping. I was going right. to choke her, like all these things. And it's hard for, it was, I found it really hard to, because the other cast members were all hanging out and being sociable. And I just, the only person I could talk to on set or I felt comfortable with was Buzz. Our right. director. And I was like, and I talked to him and the makeup artist and she was wonderful. Um, but like it was when it was all said and done. And literally when we called rap, I like, it was like, I said, I'm so sorry, guys. I, <laughs> I just, I, I'm sorry for being so menacing and I'm sorry if I seem, seem like standoffs. Everyone was great, but it was just, it was an interesting character. I don't think I've ever played a character that that was that intense. Question for you. It, it, was that sort of a staying in character thing or was it more of a practicality of like, I don't know if I can, do the things I need to do on screen with you. If I also am friendly with you offset. I think it's a little bit of both, you know, actors, actors are a little crazy. I think I'm, I'll, I'll own up to it. And sure. so I think there's a part of staying in character and, but definitely I would have found it very hard to be jovial and laughing and joking and then to immediately turn around and be incredibly menacing and terrifying. Um, it just, and it was funny because I've never really had to, do it to that degree. Um, but I don't think, I think my performance wouldn't, I don't think it would have been the same had I participated in, you know, you know how it is on set people sure. like that on and talk. And I just, I don't, I know. Um, Wait, I, yeah. it's lucky you had the hood for your costume. You could just throw the hood up and say, I'm I would go outside. We shot out in, oh God, what was that town? Um, just outside of LA. And I would, I'd be outside at, you know, at night in the dark, just, and I'd walk around the block with listening to the soundtrack. Or not the soundtrack. Sorry, Buzz put together a um, a Spotify playlist. Really? Were like pieces of music that he wanted to use, and it was oh, it's so good. And I started working out. To, I started working out to that music because it just makes you just want to just go crazy. <laughs> it was so powerful. So, yeah. quick question about your character: the the way he was written. You know, I I think I described him at some point as like a Mister uh, Doctor. Uh, Nye the science guy type guy on the thing. Nye. Bill Nye the science guy, yeah. Yeah, Bill Nye the science guy. You had to, to mode switch, and sometimes within the same scene. How did you process that character-wise in your head when he had to turn on the charm versus when he was the menacing murderer? Uh, well, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said, when, you know, Carl's watching the work he did. He's like, well, okay, yeah, he's he's you know, at, at his core, he's an on-camera performer. And right. I have done, I have done hosting on camera. I was on, uh, you know, Extreme Makeover Home Edition. I've hosted some other shows. So there's this, you know, you're, you're on, you're performing. I've stood 
in front of crowds of people and you're, you know, you have to be that guy. Right. So it, I kind of felt it, that kind of came easy. It was the switching over to the just menacing part that um, was a little harder. Although my, um, my 18 year old, I have older kids. My 18 year old twins would say that I'm quite terrified. They, they're going to tell, they tell stories to their, to their friends. I'm sure about how their dad is just the most terrifying man in the world. I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, But I, yeah, it was fun. I remember at the very, the very first scene, you know, he comes down and he's talking to, and I guess no spoiler, we don't want to spoil it, but you know, he's saying, you, you can't believe you're here. Why did you stay? Cause you don't want the glass to fall on your head. Cause that'd be terrible. You know, like he's, he's, I think he's also, you you wrote a really interesting character because he's, he, he kind of, something's missing, you know, he's, he cracked a little bit and he's sort of dealing with reality on two different levels, you know, right. As a, television personality and also as as a serial killer a sociopath right 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 well you know that that leads me to a a question about the the filming process itself you have a very long monologue at the the end of the movie and i won't spoil it it's i you know i you did a great job but i mean even by lifetime movie murderer explains what's happening standards it's a long monologue. I, I think it's five minutes because I, I have that clip. I, I pulled specifically that clip because I, I was so happy with that, the way it played out with the way the lighting was, the film, everything. And it's just, um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was a long, it was a long monologue. Uh, <laughs> First off, props to you and props to Buzz and uh, Tara. That is not a boring scene. And that was this this most scared I was in the script was that scene because it does go on so long. How do you keep it tense for that entire period? Uh, You guys did a great job. Just a question, you know, for for anybody that is thinking about being an actor. How do you prepare for that? Is it just, you know, was that done over the course of one day? Was it broken up a whole lot? Like, how was that that worked out on set? I mean, we shot it uh, in gi- we shot it in giant chunks, you know. Um, and so, like I, uh, I can process material and and, and memorize. And I, I worked on it, worked on it. But once I get it down, you know, I, I could I could shoot that whole scene in a oneer. Um, wow! Wow! So and but we didn't obviously we broke it up and buzz had some really smart fun uh you know tricks with uh, you know sort of camera tricks we able to sort of build the tension and the and the lighting and the and the flashes of of, of lightning were, were yeah. really fun but i agree with you that scene on the page i was like oh and we laughed about it and buzz was like I, i'm i'm sorry and i was like no it's all good i because i i thought it was really interesting but for me what also is to relate to what he's talking about, like uh, as an actor, you know, Carl exists on black and white and on two dimensions on a piece of paper that you right. dreamed him up in your head, but he doesn't come to life until I breathe life into him. Right. And right. that was, that was really fun for me is, and that's that monologue was, was really putting some life behind this guy so that the audience kind of gets it right. He's, right. He's not two dimensional anymore. He's three dimensional. He's very complicated, and the things that happened to him. So that was it. Was a really fun scene to shoot. It turned right. out really good. 
You did a great job, and I was I was very impressed with you on that. Uh, I I did have a question about your past because I I follow you on Twitter. I didn't do it. I swear, wasn't it? <laughs> I I do follow you on Twitter. Which are you, are you just Rib Hillis on Twitter? I I, I got I'm Rib Hillis across all platforms. Yeah. Rib. So okay, we'll do a plug now. We'll do a plug at the end. Rib Hillis on all platforms. Follow him. You posted recently a video of a commercial that I remember seeing. Uh, and I, my wife and I, I said it must have been a Super Bowl commercial because that that's the only way I would have remembered seeing this commercial. Which one? It, it's the one, it's the Braun Shaver one. Yeah. You're driving in the, the yeah. sports car, listening to crazy music, yeah. get pulled over, you shave, and you comb your hair back, put on classical, and the cop doesn't give you a ticket. Was yeah. that a Super Bowl commercial, Rip Hellas? I can't tell you 100% that it was or wasn't. I don't think that one was. I think the Ford because I've also put up a Ford commercial. They When they relaunched the Ford Thunderbird, um, I think that may have been a, a Super Bowl commercial. I have definitely been in a at least one Super Bowl commercial. Um, then that Ford one might be it. But yeah, that one, it was Braun shaving commercial. That was fun. I think I got my SAG. I think I got SAG eligible on that one. Like we were talking this was a long time ago. I was like... Although what I will say to you is that uh, the you caused a lot of middle-aged men to go out and buy Ford Thunderbirds. <laughs> ridiculous. You're the kind of guy you get in a Ford Thunderbird and people go, wow, that's a cool car. It is not a cool car. It just in and of itself is not a cool car. I remember my dad had a, a business partner who is like mid-40s and you know, about 345 pounds. And he had a Dodge, or excuse me, a Ford Thunderbird. And he just looked ridiculous. It was just like, why don't you just say to the world, I'm a divorced middle-aged man? Right. It's, you could get a Ford Thunderbird or you could get a, uh, a Viper. I think a Viper would also be the other car that might that might speak more loudly. <laughs> you know, tell people a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I always thought, you know, when I was growing up. I drive, a mini, I drive a minivan with right. car seats. Me and too. That's what you got to do. And it's like we pulled into our garage and it like scratched the side. I'm like, why am I going to fix it? It's like, what? And a friend of mine was like, dude, you don't want to get a minivan. You, no girls will ever talk to you. I'm like, I, why, why would I want anybody to, uh, women to talk to me? Yeah. I go, I got kids. I'm, I'm, you know, a wife. Why would I want to even put myself through that? Fine. A minivan, just good. How many kids do you have? Because I'm a, I have three personally. I got four. Four. I got twin 18 year olds that are going off to college. And then I have a six year old and an eight year old. Wow. But you're like the hot dad. So I imagine it's like there's a lot of like moms that are like, oh, rib is coming. Everybody put your makeup on. Like it's, there's probably like discussions in the mom groups about days to put makeup on. I don't know about that. Uh, but well, no, well, you're a good looking guy. You know it. I know it, too, because I posted this on Twitter. My daughter, who's 10, I think had an awakening watching you because in the movie, she's like, I like him. And I'm like, you can't like him. He's a murderer. And he's like, yeah, but I think I could fix him. And I was like, this is dangerous. Do not. You can't fix them. This, this is this is the problem. This is the, the human you know, dilemma, right? That that people are attracted to sort of that that bad boy and you can fix them. And, and you know, I'm just going to I'm going to keep all the good and I'm going to get rid of the bad things. I mean, we'll get rid of the serial killer sociopath that Carl uh, is and was. So well, it's, it's like I'll tell you, daughter, thank you very much. In real life, I am. Not a, a psychopath, but I, well, I'm also a flawed man as well. So, well, we all are. And I, the, the, my goal in life, because I'm never going to be good looking enough to be a psycho killer and get away with it. 
my goal in life is to be able to like, you know, do petty crime and get away with it. Like, I don't think I could kill anybody, but I think I could shoplift. Like if I really work out, if I dedicate the next few months to just working out, like I can shoplift and my wife will be like, that's all right. We'll fix it. Don't worry. Like, that's my goal. You're saying you, you, you want to take your physique to a level where then the small transgressions of shoplifting will be overlooked. Right. Like you're a guy right now. I think that you probably could commit crime because you could be that guy that people are like, I, I, you know, you're kind of like, it's you're in every, every guy, you're an every man, you know, like, like you could sneak in, do the crime and get out and nobody be like, well, but no, it's not getting away with it. I don't want to get away with it. I want to be good looking enough that women let me get away with it. Uh. I can't be murdering (laughs) good. And yes, I am every man. I always say, like, everybody comes up to me and says, you know who you remind me of? And I'm like an average white person. And they're like, well, kind of. I look like everybody's cousin. I look like every milk toast, middle of the road white guy. I, I love said milk this, toast. I use that term all the time. Milk toast. I am made from milk and toast. Uh, my, I say I'm God's model 101A. Like when he gets tired at the end of the night and he has to roll out 100 humans, that's what I'm the format that he uses. I'm like uh, the clay snake of people. That's... <laughs> So, you know what, that, speaking of good looking, that brings up a, a question. You were a male model first, right? I was a male model, yeah. I, okay. I started my career in front of the camera modeling. Now, and this is not me joking around, because I know there's probably, you know, with Zoolander and everything, people come at it. I don't come at it in a negative way whatsoever. I just want to know the process, because the only process I've ever heard of is Ashton Kutcher, 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 yeah. where he was just in a mall. And some casting agent was like, you're fabulously good looking. You should be modeling. And it wasn't one of those people that just want to take headshots for $500. It was an actual person doing this. How did you get into modeling? Like what, like what's the steps that happened? So I had a somebody take headshots for $500 situation was the first thing that happened to me. I played football um, three years out of high school and into college. And when I stopped playing football, I lost some weight. And my friends, you look like a buddy of mine who models. You should try it. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Right. But he's like, no, you should try it. So there was this modeling agency downtown Denver. I went to school in Boulder, Colorado. And I went to see him and like, yeah, of course, we'd love to represent you and we'll shoot your portfolio. Great. It's five, $500. We'll shoot your pictures. I, right. It's so funny. You would bring, bring that up. And um I, I had to do a payment plan and it took a few months for me to pay it off. When I finally paid it, they, they sent me a letter like, well, we're not getting the response we wanted on you. So we're going to let you seek other representation. Good luck. And I, you know, in like cartoons where someone's head turns into like a jackass. <laughs> that's how I felt like, holy cow. Right. I got totally scammed. You know, that, Cause now I, in, in hindsight, I realized if, if an agent charges you money uh, like out of your own pocket and not doing the job as an agent, they're making money off of you. 100%. Right? 100%. So if they front you money and say, I'll I'll pay for this and you'll pay me back out of working, totally different scenario. 100%. Anyway, a year went by and my brother wanted to model and uh, my girlfriend at the time wanted to model. I'm like, whatever. And we went to these agencies and the guy said, what about you? Do you want to do this? And I, I was like, no, I already, I already went down this road. But he took, I had one photo from that previous photo shoot that year earlier and it was a good shot. And he he, I, I brought it back to him and he faxed it. It was before the internet. It was in <laughs> 1992 and wow. he faxed it to Milan, Italy. And the agent in Italy, uh, they said, see, si, send Rebo over for the summer. <laughs> of course we want him. So I went, I, I left um, Boulder, Montana, uh, Boulder, Boulder, Colorado and went to Milan, Italy. That's, to, a, that's an upgrade. 
between my junior and senior year of college. Yeah. Uh, I came back and finished my senior year. I took uh, a Christmas break and went back to Milan to do the shows because I did the runway shows. And then after college, I moved to Paris. Wow. Um, and I had an agent in Paris and I ended up living there for two years. So I lived I lived the Zoolander life. Like I watched Zoolander and thought that doesn't even go far enough <laughs> of the male model world. Does it make dating? I mean, I imagine it makes hooking up a ton easier, but which being a male model or well, being a male model. Yeah. You know, like being, but I, my question is, does it make dating harder? Because I could imagine like you're talking to a girl, if you're talking to some Parisian girl at a club and you know, I'm a male model and she goes, well, yes, I already figured that. Let's go back to my uh, chateau. But like, if you're trying to, to meet a woman to settle down with, I imagine like, hey, what do you do? I'm in financial world. What do you do? I'm professionally attractive. Like, does that, like, <laughs> it kind of throws like a, you know, like a. It, I mean, it, it, it I guess. It, it eliminates the people that, that wouldn't be comfortable with that. You know, uh, it's, this is the career that I've done geez, since 92. So quite a while I've been working in front of the camera in some capacity. Uh, so uh, yeah. Um, I, I don't I, mean I, to hammer it home. It's just, I, I, I get to, to me, it's a fascinating world because it's like, I'll say this. A lot of people connect, not a lot of people, can you know do male modeling like it feels like that's a very small subset of the universe who can actually pull that off <laughs> i i you know dude, i would say though i find that i'm i think because i come from a world where you know i saw lots of models and so i'd be like okay, there's world. lots of people i i would think there are lots of really really pretty people out there who are extremely photogenic but being able to act is something that's very challenging um but again i guess that's because i came from a world where i would go to these castings and you know you'd go to a casting in milan for like uh you know like a, a valentino runway show and there'd be there'd literally be like 400 of the most handsome adonis looking dudes from every country in the world and they're and like you, you know I, and i literally did this i would wear a vest with no shirt my chest hanging out and I had rings on each finger. These like, they had like dragons and skulls, <laughs> arms in them and a necklace. And, you know, and we were just, and we, we would just walk around Milan, like a gang, like right, a gang, right. a gang, of, gang of attractive people. It, and so, yeah, I come, I go into castings and I'm literally like, I am the least attractive person in here. Wow. So, but, you know, I, I guess you're right because I, I'm a comedian. That's like what I do when I'm not, you know, depending on my financials each year, I'm either a comedian that writes screenplays or a screenwriter that comedes. Uh, <laughs> like you'll meet people that'll go, oh, stand up comedy. That's the hardest thing in the world. And you forget like that people think that way because everybody that you know is a stand up comic. So like, sure. you're like, no, nah, it's just getting up. You just talk and then people laugh or they don't. It's no big deal. But you could see them sweating at just the idea of it. You're like, oh, I see. You're, you're just not in my world. So maybe it's like that. But, yeah. you know, there's a book in there, Rib. There's a book. A book in my in my experience. From my experience. experience. Maybe there's a movie, Psycho Male Model. Oh, God. I mean, it's definitely 
there is there is definitely a, a story to be told. I have we haven't gotten to the end of it yet, so we'll have to see where, where it goes. But it well, is when you do get to the end of it, call me. We'll write the script that will make that happen. Listen, I would trust you. You wrote an incred- incredible uh, script. I appreciate so, that. Well, tell me, okay, tell me what's next for you. What do you got coming up? What are you excited about? Other than Psycho uh, Storm Chaser, Psycho Storm Chaser. Uh, that's on the seventh right so that's on the seventh on lifetime um i actually just did it so you were talking about this crocodile movie where a crocodile gets in the house and starts killing people yeah i did uh basically i did that movie it's for tubi the the the, the network tubi and they did it the the creators the people who did um sharknado produced it and um and it's called it's i think it's being called swim Swim. Okay. Um, but the title that I had was told when we shot it was Shark House. Shark House. I love it. The premise is what is basically the same thing. There's a huge storm that pushes a tidal surge up, and this house that's right on the water here in you know, like in California, whatever it gets, the push the water comes in, and there's a shark that gets in the house. Love it. Starts killing people. Right. And um, so we just shot that literally. I feel like it was like a month and a half, two months ago, and they have a fast track that's coming out on it's available on Tubi on the 13th of this month. So like next week. Wow. So you got two storm related projects. I got two, I got two storm related movies coming out. And, uh, and then I was just in Montana. Um, We did a project last October called hunted that I wrote and produced and, and was the lead in. And I was just up there. Literally I flew in today. Wow. back to LA and um, we, we were doing the ADR for that and getting everything all sort of buttoned up and finished. So that uh, we don't have a, a release date yet, but that is potentially coming out sometime in, in the fall. Fantastic. Um, super fun. Uh, th- th- that's all uh, wonderful question for you of all that. This is another big one. I always ask of all the stuff that you've done over the course of your career, what was the one that the people back at home, were most excited or uh, impressed by? Because I find that like what they get excited about is not what we get excited about. It's like this weird, like, you know, uh, dichotomy of thought. Like what was the one that really got everybody? Holy crap, rib is in what? Like what? what's the I one think, for you? I think the one that, that probably got the most attention is uh, was Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Right, which, oh, that uh, was hugely popular. Yeah, it's a giant, hugely popular show and it was, and so, and I certainly loved to do it. It was a great job. I enjoyed it very much. But the amount of uh, sort of attention that I got from uh, people, people that I knew or people I didn't know to compared to how much it sort of fulfilled me, you know, right. like I, doing doing something like um, Psycho Storm Chaser, uh, which may not be everybody's cup of tea, that was fun for me right. to go to work and put myself through all of that. Extreme Makeover was was just was it was you know it was easy it was fun for me but the people for people they were like oh, that was a great show i cry all the time so yeah <laughs> no, it, was, it was a fantastic show i did not connect that you were the host of that so i was I, one of the uh it was one of the designers that was on it so ty pennington would, was the i guess i don't know that we had a host but there was a sort of a cadre of designers that would travel around the country on a bus and we would show up we right. did we flew to these destinations but we got on the bus and drove up to their house yes. and you know woke them up or whatever and we built them a house and uh, so i was i did two seasons of that show good question now i'm sure you're ty pennington is a great guy and everything but this is something that i thought about all the time and how no one at, i think it was abc right yep 
how no one at ABC said this to him, the soul patch. No one sat him down. There was not a moment like when you're at craft, where craft services where you want to turn and go, just what is that? Yeah. Just, you don't need that. It's, it's, it's I, not a good look, Ty. Never, I, never, never been. A good <laughs> I really liked Ty. Uh, we got along well. Um, I didn't feel comfortable enough to say anything to him, though. Like, I, soul patch is something like someone you would you would grow as a challenge because it was too easy meeting girls. So you're like, let me just, I'll grow a soul patch, make it a little harder for myself. It's like putting a donut on the back. You know, you're just trying I, to make it a little bit harder on yourself. Never forget, it was uh, two years ago and it was Christmas and I was home at my um, brother-in-law's house back east and they, uh, I had a really bushy beard and I shaved the beard off and just had a mustache. Ah. My brother-in-law looked at me. He goes, why would you do that? He goes, you're so handsome and you do that to your face to look like, and I was laughing so hard. Right. Uh, but yeah, that he, he just couldn't understand why someone would do that to themselves. Like, so yeah, I guess maybe yeah, soul it's, it's, mustache. It's like too bad I must to say that, I think I have a, I think I, I think I have a pretty, when it, a pretty good mustache when it was in. I've actually always wanted to grow it back, but I ended up having to cut it off for some reason for like a job or something. You know what? I'm going to write mustache, psycho mustache enthusiast. And then Perfect. we're just going to bring you in as the mustache guy. Yep. Okay. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. We got to get going. Uh, on the, I, I want to plug all your stuff, but I just want to say this: you were fantastic in this movie. Uh, we at Exit Nineteen, uh, we're we're hoping that we're going to be making a lot of these, and we're hoping you're going to be a part of a lot of them with us because you uh, were fantastic. So thank you for being in our movie rip and plug something. Where should people go to find you? What's the thing you, you care most about? Um, I I think Instagram is probably the easiest way to sort of stay in, stay in touch and keep up with me. Facebook I do go on it occasionally, but I don't. It's too complicated. There's too much. There's too many groups and things and blah. blah. So Instagram is pretty good, uh, and it's my name, Rib Hillis. Uh, is is in fact on Facebook. If you accidentally take a left turn, you could come out like you know. All of a sudden, you're into cross stitching, and you're like, I don't know what happened. I just yeah. hit one button and I read 3,000 posts on cross-stitching. Now I'm a cross-stitcher. So anyway, go on. I didn't interrupt you, though. Sorry. But yeah, just um, the Instagram is my name, Rib Hillis. And um, I, I funny story of that. So Extreme Makeover came out on a Sunday night. And then Monday morning, I went to go get my domain, like get, get the domain Rib Hillis. Right. And somebody had bought it. Like, and so I, wait, I had to wait a year before like it, it came available but that so that yeah that 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 happened ribhillis.com <laughs> yeah. go there i had, I had ribhillis.com and somebody went and bought it right. so well i mean that's that's nice no one has tried to buy my domain so <laughs> they, they might now Maybe yeah, they uh, yeah now that this podcast has come out uh, they're gonna be like <laughs> wow we gotta get jay uh but rib you are a fantastic actor you're a better human being Everybody go follow. I mean, I don't know for sure, but just in my interaction with you right now, you seem like a wonderful person. So everybody follow Rib, watch the movie on Saturday. Yes. Psycho Storm Chaser. Psycho Storm Chaser. And also watch the, the one that's coming out on the 13th. Tubi. On Tubi on the 13th. On Tubi. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Rib. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much.